Welcome to Liquid Church Audio. The message you're about to enjoy was originally delivered at Liquid by Pastor Tim Lucas. LiquidChurch.com, living water for a thirsty generation. Now, we're live on the web. If you make sure you're connected, the writing's on the wall. But if your mind's neglected, stumble, you might fall. Stumble, you might fall. Stumble, you might fall. God. We all have them. Whether you've been a Christian for 20 years or 20 minutes, we all have questions. In fact, you don't have to be particularly religious to have questions for or about God. The vast majority of people, those who go to church, others who don't subscribe to any particular strand of religion, have all sorts of questions about God, faith, and the meaning of the story that we find ourselves in. Well, I want to welcome you to Liquid. I'm uh, Pastor Tim, and what you've just witnessed on these screens are the real-life questions that many of you submitted last week. If you were with us last weekend, you'll remember that we invited each of you to submit one question that you would like to ask God directly. We said if you could have an audience with God, direct face-to-face, one-to-one Q&A with Him, speaking as you do, you know, with, with, like with a friend, and be assured of an answer, what would you ask well, as you can see from this stack of questions here, the, the ones you submitted were actually very diverse. Some of them were profound. If you knew we'd eat the fruit, why did you put the tree there? <laughs> profound. Others were more personal. What in the world am I doing in New Jersey? And I heard a round of applause at uh, some of the earlier services about that. And some of them made you just smile. Did you catch the one scribbled by that seven-year-old boy? Why did you give me older sisters, Right. You might be surprised to know that asking questions of God is not a sign of insolence, but rather of our divine capacity that's actually been planted in us by God himself, a divine curiosity. Now, here's the deal. It's not ours to demand an answer. In fact, the Bible actually says that we see through a glass darkly on this side of heaven. But it is ours to ask, to explore, to search something out. I mean, if you look through the book of Proverbs, which is the premier book of wisdom literature in the Bible, Proverbs 25.2 says this, It is the glory of God to conceal a matter, but to search out a matter is the glory of kings. And that insight just really suggests two things. One, that, that God conceals things from us. There's a reason we all have questions. Now, conceal doesn't mean that God likes trying to hide things in order to like, frustrate us, but it does allude to the reality that He is infinite and we are not. <laughs> Our understanding is limited. Our knowledge is finite. But notice the second thing this verse declares, that searching God out, asking questions about him, looking into matters of faith and actually trying to figure out how it relates to our personal lives is a noble thing. The glory of kings. It's the glory of God to conceal a matter, to search out a matter is the glory of kings. His understanding is fathomless. His ways beyond our searching out. And yet part of our glory as creatures actually made in God's image is to search for answers. To try and understand God. There's a word for that. It's called theology. Theo, God, ology, right? The logic or study, the study of God. That's what theology is. And while God can't be pinned to the table like a butterfly and dissected, he does want to be known. To be understood for for each of his creatures to actually understand the story that he's telling and begin to make sense of how our individual lives actually fit into it. And that's really why we have starting point as our first step of connected living here at Liquid. Connected Living, as some of you know, is really just the name of our strategy for helping people grow spiritually and make friends at Liquid. And um, whether you're new or you've been coming for years to our church, everyone at Liquid is encouraged just to do three things. To find God, to find a friend, and find a team to serve on. But I really think it's the first step of that equation, that challenge to find God that really matters most. Because you can come to church, you can meet people, you can make friends. We'll even let you serve in in some areas of liquid before believing. But if you don't have a faith to call your own, it's like, what's the point? Finding God for yourself is really the reason we exist as a church. But there's a problem with that. Because we're all at different points in our journey. Some of you here uh, today have been followers of Christ for a long time, maybe 20 years or more. Anyone over 20 years you've been following Christ, you've been a Christian, okay? Wow, awesome, that's great. Um, Others of you, maybe you're just starting to explore what that means. Or maybe you're returning to church after some time away, but you've got your doubts, your, you know, your, your questions, your skepticisms. 
And that's really why we created starting points, so that wherever you are in the journey to find God, you'd actually have a place to begin, a safe place where you can actually ask these questions and, and, and kick the tires on the Christian faith and decide for yourself what you believe. And today I just kind of wanted to briefly frame this out for everyone, just to show you biblically what it really means to search out God, to find God, and encounter the Christian faith for yourself. So let me invite you to turn to the book of Acts, chapter 17, in your seat Bible. It's located on page 770, if that helps. Um, again, there are probably some of you who are like, Acts, that's a funny name for a book, A-X-E, Acts, is like about woodchoppers. This is like the, the slasher movie book of the Bible. Um, and then there are others who are like, oh, bro, come on, this is Acts, A-C-T-S. This is a, I went through this entire book verse by verse in junior high Sunday school class with Miss Lillian. Come on, been there, done that. Um, what I think is interesting about Acts 17 is that wherever you are on the spectrum of faith, this historical account of Paul's missionary trip to Athens really tells us why it's necessary for all of us to have a starting point in our journey to find God. So let's dive in together and I'll show you what I'm talking about. Acts 17, starting at verse 16. A um, little background real quick. This is about the Apostle Paul. Some of you know, was called by Jesus Christ to spread the news about him, about his death and resurrection, to the non-Jewish world. And Paul did that by making several missionary trips. And this is the account of his trip to Greece, okay? Greece was a place at this time in the first century had never heard the name Jesus Christ before. At this point, this is like 50, 52 AD, Paul had a couple of helpers, Silas and Timothy, and this is the context. They were late in meeting. He was supposed to meet them in Athens, but they were late in meeting him here in Greece. Their flight was delayed. Uh, you, know, you know how Athens International can be. And, and this picks up the account with verse 16 here, right? It says, while Paul was waiting for them in Athens, he was greatly distressed to see that the city was full of idols. So he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and the God-fearing Greeks, as well as in the marketplace day by day with those who happened to be there. A group of Epicurean and Stoic philosophers began to dispute with them. Some of them asked, what is this babbler trying to say? Others remarked, he seems to be advocating foreign gods. And they said this because Paul was preaching the good news about Jesus and the resurrection. We'll just stop there. Although we are separated by almost 2,000 years from this historical trip that Paul took to Greece, I think we can actually draw several striking parallels with our experience here in the 21st century. In fact, the realities that this passage highlights help us understand the need for a starting point in our journey to find God right here in 21st century Western culture. And the first reality is this. We all come from different backgrounds. And that may be the obvious, but that was the reality of Paul's situation here in Athens. It's the same as ours today in 21st century America, or Australia for that matter. Consider this. Paul himself was a Jew. He was actually a Hebrew. He, he was a Pharisee, in fact, which linked him to the Hebrew faith of his forefathers, like, you know, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. This was a historic faith that traced back 2,000 years. And Athens actually had a, had a, it was filled with devout Jews, as was his custom. Paul actually headed to the synagogue there. Synagogue's just a Jewish church, okay? But when Paul enters Athens, he actually is no longer a Jew. Paul had converted to Christianity in a pretty dramatic fashion, I might add. We don't have time, but Paul was like well on his way to becoming like Jewish Pharisee of the year when he had a personal smackdown with Jesus, right? <laughs> Who dropped him flat on the road to Damascus and, and blinded him and literally turned his life 180 degrees. So all of a sudden, Paul, the proud Jewish Pharisee who's got 2,000 years of history, becomes Paul, the humble follower of Christ, putting his trust in Jesus as his Lord and Savior and becomes the first missionary to the non-Jewish world. And so here he is meeting with Greeks, okay, who in matters of God and spirituality really had one main belief. Anything goes. <laughs> Thousands of gods existed in the Greek pantheon of deities, right? I bet you could actually name a few. Think of Greek gods and goddesses from like your junior high mythology classes. Yell them out. What are they? Name one. Zeus. Who else? Athena. Well, Aphrodite, Apollos, Shrek, good. Yeah, you guys are right on. The, the, the Greeks were an extremely pluralistic people, <laughs> meaning they believed in many gods in forms of spirituality. In fact, they have a lot in common with Western culture today. But notice here in verse 18, it says, Paul also encounters another group, the Epicureans. And these were actually the atheists of Athenian culture. They believed that man just kind of evolved from the dirt. There was like no divine connection to the heavens. It's like, what's the point of life? Eat, drink, and be merry. <laughs> that was their philosophy. They were the first hedonists. And the Epicureans believed that like seeking happiness or pleasure was pretty much the primary goal of life. In many ways, these are like the first Americans, okay? <laughs> 
And then finally, Paul encounters this group of Stoic philosophers who were actually just the opposite. They, they rejected the desire for pleasure, but they said thinking and reason is the point of life above everything else. They were like the scientists of the Athenian age. They were very disciplined, reasonable in their approach to the ultimate meaning of life. So the first thing that Paul is confronted with here in Athens is an incredible diversity of backgrounds. There are longtime Jews, there are brand new Christians, there are pluralistic Greeks, there are pleasure-seeking atheists and high-minded Stoics. I mean, it ran the gamut. And that melting pot of backgrounds, you know, religious, ethnic, philosophical worldviews, that would have been par for the course in Athens. Athens was a cosmopolitan city, the crossroads of the civilized world. Think Times Square. All roads led there. Education, philosophy, art, culture, commerce. This was like the hometown of Aristotle, Socrates, right? Plato, remember those kind of things? The Parthenon? Just in many ways, think like New York City. Times Square, you can, you know Times Square, you can walk two blocks and you can encounter over 200 ethnicities and over a thousand different spiritual perspectives, traditions, and beliefs. Now here at Liquid, we are located 20 miles or so outside of Manhattan. And so it's not unusual for us to have folks from diverse backgrounds in our church. That's one of our blessings, actually, as a community, our diversity. But what's interesting is that if you look at the main categories of people whom Paul encounters, we have actually corresponding people among our church. If you first think of like the, the Jewish population, I mean, I mean, when we talk about Jewish, the highly religious, these were folks in Paul's day, who, like Paul, who were schooled in the Torah from childhood. They actually memorized scripture. They went to synagogue. They went to Sabbath school. They, all the rules and regulations committed to memory and practice. They had rules on like hand washing and food preparation. Faith for them was a series of rituals to be followed. And at Liquid, we have a population we often refer to as the overchurched. Many people who've grown up in the church, you know, some of them Catholic, some Protestant, maybe Jewish, whatever, but somewhere along the way dropped out because they burned out on the whole thing. Found themselves asking, you know what, is there, is there more to faith than just like following the rules and regulations? Or maybe you felt like at some point in your life you were just going through the motions. Like, I, I go, but it feels like empty to me. I'm just going through the motions. So when you became an adult, whether, you know, in high school or college, you just like dropped out. So you've got this like religious, you know, foundation in your past, but you're looking for something alive or, or, or more life-giving in your future. A lot of over-church folks here among us, and that's great. We hope Liquid can be the place where you discover something different, that, that faith is exciting, that the Bible is actually relevant. <laughs> a church can actually be, be refreshing, not just draining. Last month I had a guy who brought his Catholic friend and... Uh, he came right up to me after the service was over, and he said, I, I need to speak with you, Father. <laughs> and uh, I said, uh, sure, what's up? My son. And uh, <laughs> he said, uh, he said hey, he goes, this is like my first time. I, I don't know what, what to say. I go, you know, what do you mean? Like, is everything all right? He's like, enjoy the service. He said, are you, are you kidding? He goes, I love the service. Uh, but I, I just don't know. Does, does this really count? And when I asked him what he meant, he said, this just seems like, like too much fun for church. And he described his, his, his background a little bit about that. And, and, and so I gave him one of our pens, which you have. Look at your pen, right? You know what it reads. Faith is a journey. Let's read the rest together. Not a guilt trip. <laughs> and I think that actually made him feel better because he, he shook my hand, he thanked me, and then he crossed himself and you know, <laughs> went on his way. But, but Liquid is a great place if you've been over-churched and you need like some space to recover and find out if there is more than just rules and regulations and going through the motions. There is, I promise. And it's not just the music that's different. But like Athens, we also have many new Christians here who actually have no background whatsoever. They're just starting out. And this is a wonderful place to grow and develop your faith alongside others. I mean, faith is personal, but guess what? It's not meant to be private. And you need fellow brothers and sisters to help you grow. And that's why Jesus invented the church here in Acts. This is, this is literally what the book of Acts is all about, right? Paul is one of the first Christians, but he traveled all around Greece, Rome, and Asia, spreading the news about Jesus and doing what? Planting Christian churches. So get this. These Christians in Athens were just newbies. This was like, there was only a few decades after Jesus had died and been resurrected. So there was no like institutional church as we think of it. There wasn't like, you know, First Baptist Church of the Acropolis or something like that. No parking lots, no building campaigns. None of them even had a New Testament Bible. Why? They were literally living it, <laughs> making it up as they went. Their knowledge of Jesus and faith and the church was experiential and they just lived it out in community. And that's actually God's design for every new Christian to join with other believers, to learn God's word, and actually live it out together. So if you're a new Christian or you're just taking your first steps after some time away, you are welcome at Liquid. This church is for you. 
But it goes without saying that we are living in one of the most pluralistic cultures in the history of civilization. Uh, the Greeks might have had their gods and goddesses, but we have our own paths of enlightenment too, don't we? I mean, beyond the big three, right? Judaism, Christianity, and Islam, we've got what? Mormonism, Scientology, Kabbalah, New Age, Wicca. Am I missing any? What else? Yeah, Oprah, okay. In, in America, in 2007, we have many roads that purportedly lead to God. In fact, our main religion is actually tolerance. <laughs> as long as you don't claim any exclusive rights to God, you're okay. But just watch out for anyone who says, like, such and such is the only way to heaven. No absolute truth claims. And that's exactly how it was in Athens. In fact, look at verse 1. It says, the city was, what? Full of idols. Archaeologists have actually found an excavation over 10,000 different idols and statues that were used for worship in first century Greece. Ours is a pluralistic culture. And in fact, we welcome those of you who may have different beliefs than us at Liquid. I mean, it's true, just to give you a, a you know, level set here. We are a Christ-centered church. We are, we are committed to the historic and orthodox teaching of the Bible and the gospel of Jesus Christ. Those are like the non-negotiables for us. Although we're contemporary in our approach, you actually won't find anything here that's like not based in Scripture or directly linked to the orthodox teaching of our first century faith. Our message is timeless, but it's our methodology that is always changing. But we're different from some other Christian churches in this. We actually embrace people with different beliefs. They're accepted here. Hear that clearly. We don't embrace other beliefs. We don't, we don't actually think that all roads lead to God. But we respect every person of every faith because we believe everyone is on a spiritual journey. So practically speaking, if you're Jewish, you're welcome here. If you're New Age, hello. If you're Scientologist, what's up with John Travolta and hairspray? I don't know. You know, just, <laughs> just kidding. We welcome and respect. We welcome the dialogue. It's not threatening. But it's actually, we regard it as healthy. And by the way, we have our Epicureans and Stoics among us. They're just in like modern day disguise, right? Sex, drugs, and rock and roll, the Epicurean way, right? We've got a lot of prodigals, and you're welcome too. We have our atheists. Uh, I had one write me actually a, a couple weeks ago. He was listening online to one of our, our Sex in the Bible podcasts on iTunes. And he's writing me an email, and, uh, and he said, i got to be honest, I don't share this whole thing about Christianity, but, but you may have a point about there being more to life than just physical gratification, but by the time he got to the end of the email, he had kind of reconsidered. He says, but there's still no way I could believe in a God who makes war and not love. And then he cited some of the atrocities kind of done under the banner of Christianity. And then he ended his email with these words. Literally, he said, thank God I'm an atheist. Can't <laughs> you not? In the email. I, you can't make that stuff up. But we, so we have our doubters. And we've got our Stoics too, the scientists among us, right? Who's, who, unless they see tangible evidence, they look at the whole, you know, God thing with kind of a raised eyebrow, like, that's great for you, but I need cold, hard facts. Show me the data, maybe I'll believe. Most of them work for Merck or Novartis, right? <laughs> the, the scientists among us. And you know what? Good for you for being here. Because not everyone follows that quick commitment to actually inquire about faith. Like, if it, is it real? Can you touch it? And does it make any difference in the real world? That is to be commended in you. You are most welcome to explore here. But you get the point. We all come from different backgrounds. Religious, ethnic, philosophical, that's what Paul discovered in first century Athens, and that's what we have here in 21st century America and in Western culture in general. That's just reality. We don't need to label it good or bad. It's just the context that God has set you and I in. And let me tip my cards to you, by the way. I actually think this is one of the most exciting times to be alive from a spiritual perspective. What's interesting is that as Paul begins sharing the essence of the Christian faith with this diverse crowd, he begins sharing a very simple message that this man called Jesus was not just a man. He was the son of God who died for the sins of every man and woman so that we could be forgiven and restored to friendship with God. More than that, he was raised to life so that you and I could have a new life. As Paul starts sharing this news with this diverse group of people, Guess what their response was? They thought he was crazy. <laughs> Pick up with me at the second half of verse 18. It says, some of them asked, what is this babbler trying to say? <laughs> Others remarked, he seems to be advocating foreign gods. They said this because Paul was preaching the good news about Jesus and the resurrection. Now, this is fascinating because the one thing that the Greeks never had in all their system of deities and gods and goddesses was the idea that a man could be raised from the dead. 
And now here comes this guy, Paul. He's like a former Jew, but now he's like following this new cult. And this guy is like prattling on about some obscure carpenter from like Nazareth. Where is that? It's like a backwater town in like Israel or something. I don't know. Who, who was supposedly crucified. Okay, so what? People are crucified all the time. Who died? It all happens to all of us. He was buried, sat in the tomb for three days, and then he was resurrected. And the Greeks are like, what? <laughs> I, I know this is hard to believe, but this was a culture in the first century that had never heard the name Jesus Christ before. This was the first time those two words had ever been uttered to them. There's no context. There's no backstory. They didn't even know like the Torah or Jewish history, like the Exodus, Red Sea, whatever. That's like some other, you know, we've got our own system of learning and tradition here. And Jesus ain't a part of it. And so Paul begins to give them the backstory to this whole thing. He's like, mankind is, is actually sinful and in need of a savior. And these are like brand new ideas to them. They've never heard this before. They, they, don't, they don't have a Bible. There's not even a a passing surface familiarity with Christian tradition. The Target in Athens didn't stock Jesus is my homeboy t-shirts. Never before. And so you get why they ask, what is this babbler trying to say? It's like he's speaking another language. It didn't make sense to them. And I don't know if you've noticed this or not, but increasingly in our 21st century world, we're hearing the same response. Because most folks have heard of Jesus but in all the most superficial and diverse, twisted contexts. A talking head yelling about Jesus on CNN, how he wants us to really bomb him, you know, or, or no, Jesus really wants us to, you know, get out of, you know, Iraq, or, or, or we roll Jesus out at Christmas time to, like, sell stuff. That's how Western culture now knows Jesus. But, but the biblical Jesus, I mean, the actual historical Jesus, very few of us have taken the time and effort to get to know him. You won't be surprised to know that biblical illiteracy is now at an all-time high in America. And I know that's sad for many, but 70% of our culture now stay home on Sunday. It's not just Jets fans. <laughs> public schools, right, I mean, this and it was remarkable to me, but like 30 years ago, public schools actually had, had classes on the Bible. Not even religious, but just from a purely like historical perspective, so you could like understand art and literature and the, the scriptural references. No more. My generation, Generation X was the first to actually mark the most precipitous decline in church attendance across denominational lines. In fact, pollster George Barnum notes that ours is the first generation in the history of American culture to come of age without a clear shared religious heritage, specifically a Judeo-Christian foundation. The first generation ever in the history of American culture. And you see the effects of that actually all over the place. I see this, I saw this actually uh, to comedic effect on an episode of The Tonight Show with Jay Leno. You ever see that bit he does called Jaywalking? He, he like goes out in the streets of like downtown LA and he does like man on the street interviews. Well, he did him watching like kind of the corner of my eye and he, did, he was like, tonight Bible trivia. I'm like, oh, I got to see this, right? And he just, he, he walks up and like asks basic questions of passersby and like if they get it right, he gives them like a gift certificate to like, you know, steakhouse. And it was incredible, <laughs> Because not only was no one familiar with like basic Bible stories, I don't think they even watched the Ten Commandments with Charlton Heston, you know? True story. He approaches these 20-something girls. They're like walking down. He's like, hey, Jay Leno, uh, tonight's show trivia. Okay, first question. I'll give you a gift certificate to a steakhouse. Bible, Bible question night question for you. Who is Noah? And they like kind of look at each other and like kind of giggled. And the girls go, I don't know, is, is he famous? You know, like, and, uh, and Jay Leno was like, um, sort of. Um, you probably have heard of him. And the one girl goes, spell it. And he's like, N-O-A-H, four letters. And the one girl goes, oh, I know, I know, wait, I know. He's, um, he's a basketball player. He, he plays for the Miami Heat. And he, Jay Leno, I'm like, what? And, and Jay Leno goes, no, that's Shaq. <laughs> and he goes, I'll give you a hint. Uh, he's the guy with the big boat. <laughs> And the other girl goes, no, 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 he's that rapper. He does, he like does that song and they start singing this hip hop song. And I think even Jay Leno was speeches. He's like, Noah, Shaq, Usher, it's all good. You know, it's like, that's actually about where we are right now in our culture. And you can bemoan that fact and you can shake your head or say, hmm, interesting cultural moment. Athens was a pre-Christian culture. America is a post-Christian one. In many ways, we're just a few decades behind Europe which is littered with empty cathedrals and simply has vestiges of like Christian tradition and mostly a fading memory of God. What is this babbler trying to say? He like seems to be like speaking in a foreign language. 
I mean, even for folks who do take the time to read the Bible for themselves, the dirty little secret is this. The Bible is not easy to understand. And that, yeah, well, you hear that gasp? Whoa. <laughs> that may seem kind of weird coming from a pastor, but many of you, I think, actually have been sold a bill of goods. Um, a, lot of, a lot of believers act like you can just like open up the Bible and kind of plug right in like it's this VCR at manual. I actually heard a pastor preacher say that once. He's like, this has all the answers you need. You got a problem, you just kind of look it up. It's all in this one book. And so like I'm like going to like, you know, the back and like, where is the uh, under T? Tim's dad got cancer. Where's, where's the verse that explains that one actually? Are you kidding me? The, the Bible isn't even a book. It's, it's more accurately described as a library. There, there are 66 books in all written by 40 different authors across thousands of years, written in three languages, Hebrew, Greek, and Aramaic, two of which are actually dead languages, spanning multiple genres of literature. You've got law, you've got history, you've got poetry, wisdom literature, apocalyptic literature, letters, parable, and prophecy. And a lot of people act like you can like just open up the Bible and understand anything you read, like it's all stories about Noah, but it's not. It actually takes some effort to understand. Now, here's the deal. I don't say that to discourage you. The Bible does have a clear message. It is possible to read on your own and grow in your knowledge of God. That's the whole point. But you know what? It takes some doing. It takes some practice. As with anything else in your life, you know, learning a new language, a new sport, someone's got to show you around how to like find stuff, how to approach parts in different ways. Like, oh, this is a parable. So like this is Oh, it's a story that's... T- so, okay, Hebrew poetry. Okay, so Hebrew poetry. Okay. And most importantly, how all of this fits together. You ever do this? Ever just pick up the Bible and be like, God, show me something. And you start reading there. How'd that work out for you? Ever do that? Yeah, sometimes you don't know like where to start. So like, you know, you wake up in the morning, you're like, oh, Lord, the kids are crying. I'm at my wit's end. Would you like, please speak to me this morning from here? You know, Psalm, Psalm 130, Lord, pour out your vengeance, take their children and dash them upon the rocks. Like, what, what, what is this? Or, you know, or, or, or who's tried to read the Bible, you know, like straight through, right? You want to do that one, right? Every year, January, from end to end, this is going to be the year, 2008, you know, only to end up shipwrecked somewhere around Leviticus, right? I, I, don't, I don't know, like all of a sudden there was like this big deal about boiling a goat in its mother's milk. I don't get this. The, you're not alone. <laughs> you need some guidance. The Bible can be intimidating. It can seem inaccessible, but it's not. Not if you get help. Not if you have a starting point, someone to lead you, someone to show you how it fits together. And again, that's one of the reasons we exist as a church, to help you learn how to understand God's word for yourself. That's literally what we designed the starting point environment for. Which my wife, Colleen, and I, we led a group at our home last semester. Honestly, it was the best thing we've ever done at Liquid. <laughs> it, you know, I'm the overchurched, right? And it, it was the coolest thing to be among other friends who were taking their first step here. And it was so cool because this one guy who was like this, he goes, all right, so let me just, you know, kind of basic stuff. He was like, Old Testament, New and Improved Testament. This is like this is the one that's like better. Like ignore this one. I was like, no, no. They kind of like you know go together. And then and then this 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 girl says, well, why does it always seem like there are two gods in the Bible? Ever feel that way? She goes like, and I was like, what do you mean? She goes like, there's this Old Testament God who's like all angry and he's like throwing lightning bolts and like all the killing. What is up with that? She goes, and and then there's Jesus who's like all meek and mild. And honestly, they don't seem like the same person. (laughs) Ever wonder that? That's what starting point is all about. Understanding the entire story that God's telling from the point of creation in Genesis to the gospels of Jesus, to the church in Acts where we are, to to the future to come in Revelation. It's clear, but you know what? It takes some study. A lot of us want to kind of just enter the story with Jesus, but it's like you ever walk into a movie halfway and you kind of like take some... It's not difficult, but it takes some time to put the pieces together even for long-time Christians. Because the dirty little secret is that many of us actually don't know how this all fits together. And maybe you put your trust in Christ some time ago. You start out like memorizing, right, John 3, 16. And then you start reading through Romans. It didn't get much farther than that because it's talking about the law and circumcision. What is that? What the? And you, you know, and you, you've done it. You open the Bible many times because you want to learn. But, but you're like, you know, who is Malachi? I didn't even know there was an Italian prophet, you know? I don't... And what does this have to do with Jesus? The Bible's not easy to understand. The Athenians said, what is this babbler trying to say? 
This business about Jesus doesn't make any sense to us. No kidding. Maybe you're thinking something along those lines too. Maybe it only makes sense when I talk about it. That doesn't have to be the only moment. Maybe you're only familiar with the Jesus of popular culture, CNN and Target t-shirts. But you've never opened up the Bible to check out God's story for yourself. Starting point is for you. Because you know what? The reality is everybody has questions. That's what Paul discovered. Would you look at verse 19? This is so great. It says, Then they took Paul and brought him to a meeting of the Areopagus. That was like the ruling council in Athens, where they said to him, May we know what this new teaching is that you are presenting? Question mark. You're bringing some strange ideas to our ears, and we want to know what they mean. Everybody has questions. I know a lot of churches are full of people who act like they have all the answers to life, but you know what? Most of them are pretending. If they're honest, sorry, I didn't mean to blow your cover, but I like, I have, I have all sorts of questions for God. I'm the lead pastor questions that are not easily answered in this book. Like why did my dad get cancer? There is no single verse that offers a simple explanation of that. And you know what? If this stack of connection cards is to be believed, you've got questions too. And that's part of the journey, bringing our questions to God and searching him out getting a sense of the story that he's telling and finding out where, where the story of our life intersects with it. It's unfortunate, but a lot of people um, keep God at arm's length, not because they have questions, but because they've never taken the time to pursue answers to them. I mean, the questions here are amazing. Some of them are theological. Why is there suffering in this world? Is Jesus who he claimed to be? Why was Lucifer created? Do the children in Africa, in the inner city, who've been abused from birth and live in cycles of poverty and ignorance, go to heaven? Wow. Some of them are just flat-out historical. Was Jonah really swallowed by a whale? Was that true? (laughs) How did the creation of the universe actually happen? But many of them are personal. What's God's will for my life? What is my purpose? Am I ever going to get married? Will I see my dad in heaven? I'll have that one question on the screen. Someone just wrote 9-11 question mark. We all have questions. The Athenians did for Paul in first century Athens. We have them today in 21st century New Jersey. And that's why we created an environment called Starting Point, where it could be a safe place to actually ask questions and learn alongside others who do too. No questions off limits in our starting point groups. We don't insult anyone with easy answers because mainly what the groups are about is listening. What we do is honor the story that God's telling in your life and help discern the ways that maybe it dovetails with this grand story of redemption that began with creation and culminates in Christ. May we, may we know what this new teaching is that you're presenting. You're bringing some strange ideas to our ears And we want to know what they mean. Spiritual curiosity is a good thing. Certainty is overrated, I think. (laughs) Curiosity is a good thing. And if you have questions, you owe it to yourself to explore them, to pull on that thread that God's spirit may be stirring in your soul. That's what Paul does here. He actually engages the hearts and minds of these people because he actually cared about them. He honored their questions. Let's just read Paul's response together. This will kind of wrap things up, put it together. Start with verse 22. It says, So Paul stood up in the meeting of the Areopagus and he said, Men of Athens, I see that in every way you are very religious. For as I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an altar with this inscription, To an unknown God. Now what you worship as something unknown, I am going to proclaim to you. Verse 24, the God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth. He takes them all the way back to Genesis and does not live in temples built by hands. It ain't about church, folks. (laughs) And he's not served by human hands as if he needed anything because he himself gives all men life and breath and everything else. From one man, that's Adam, he made every nation of men, he starts talking about Abraham, that they should inhabit the whole earth and he determined the times set for them in the exact places where they should live, you have a destiny in God's grand plan. God did this so that men would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him. 
though he is not far from each one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. As some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. Just stop there. You know what I love about Paul? Not only does he engage this diverse crowd, all different backgrounds, honors their questions, shows them respect, he is gracious in his approach. You notice what he doesn't do? He doesn't walk into Athens and go, idols everywhere, holier than thou, and start ranting and raving and kick them all over about how godless this culture is. In fact, he actually says, what does he say? Men of Athens, I see that in every way you are very what? Religious. Interesting choice of words. I mean, this was perhaps one of the more irreligious crowds in the history of the world, at least from a traditional Christian perspective. They'd, they'd never heard of Jesus. They were pluralistic, worshipped a pantheon of deities, put their faith in human reason and philosophy. And yet Paul says, through it all, I see there's a spiritual spark in you. I see it. And he reveals a secret that still applies in the 21st century. Again, you may be shocked. People who aren't into church are still spiritual. They are. It's true. How does Paul know? Look at what he does. He examines their culture. He says, For as I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an altar with this inscription, To an unknown God. Do you get this? He took, a, he took a walking tour of their culture, and instead of confronting it, he actually made a connection to it. He built a bridge, and he said, You know what? You may not know Jesus yet, but in your heart, I know you. You're a worshiper. I mean, and that's a church word. But we all worship something. You know what worship is, right? When you, when you give your, your passions and your energies to like pursuing something or someone in your life who like you know is going to give it meaning. You may not know who or what that is yet, but I can help you find out. And then this. In the middle of this little speech to this group of seekers, he says this. Look at this. It's in quotes. It says, For in him we live and move and have our being. Does anyone know? It's got quotes around it, so it's obviously a quote of a, of a verse of some kind. Anyone know where that's found in the Bible? That's a trick question. It's not in the Bible. It's actually from a secular Greek poet. And then he says, as some of your other poets have said, we are his offspring. He starts quoting lyrics from some of the most popular poets of the day. These were two Greek poets, actually, Epimendes and Aratus, and I love this. Paul quotes from these popular poets, not because he believes in what they stand for, but to unearth the questions that this culture is asking and build a bridge to share Jesus with them in a way that makes sense. He sees this culture, I mean, as pluralistic and as godless as it is, he sees it as spiritual. He's like, this is, it's full of religious impulse and people who want to know more. And that's instructive for us, especially as you consider building bridges to your coworkers, your neighbors, and your family. The reality is people who aren't into traditional church are still spiritual. Paul, Paul quotes these poets of his day as an example of his culture's spirituality. And you know what? We could do the same thing and discover something similar in ours. I mean, who are the poets of our day? We, we, you know, we don't mostly do poetry, but what, what do we have? Musicians. Singers, filmmakers, actors, bands, rappers. What, what are the questions that they're asking in the 21st century? You might be surprised. In fact, let's play a game called Guess Who Said It? I'll give you the quote, and you tell me which of our modern-day poets said it. There they are. Here's the first quote. Ready? The thought of eternal life appeals to me. Who said that? Here, oh, here are your choices. So you got Angelina Jolie, Elton John, Bono, Kanye West... Britney Spears, you got Matt Gronig, he's like the creator of The Simpsons. Madonna and Billy Corgan, the former frontman of Smashing Pumpkins. So who said this? The thought of eternal life appeals to me. Want to take a guess? Survey says, bing, Madonna. Really? How about this one? From my point of view, I would ban religion completely, even though there's some wonderful things about it. I love the idea of the teachings of Jesus Christ and the beautiful stories about it, which I loved in Sunday school, and I collected all the little stickers and put them in my book. But the reality is that organized religion doesn't seem to work. It turns people into hateful lemmings, and it's not really compassionate. You want to take a shot? Rocket Man, Elton John, good Sunday school boy. How about this one? There doesn't need to be a God for me. There's something in people that's spiritual, that's godlike. I don't feel like doing things just because people say believe, but 
I also don't really know if it's better to just not believe in anything either. Hear the ambivalence? Anyone? The adulteress, Angelina Jolie. Okay, so some of you are like, wait, I'm striking out on this. I'm going to give you one you can get. Guess this one, okay? Um, I'm just trying to say the way school need teachers, the way Kathy Lee need Regis, that's the way y'all need Jesus. So here go my single dog radio needs this. Anyone got this one? All right, good. Look at you guys. Kanye, what's up? All right, good job. Um, Here's another. You'll probably get this one immediately too. Uh, I read the Kabbalah books and I meditate on them. They're like all in Hebrew. I don't, sorry, I'm like giving it away. (laughs) I don't understand everything, but it's kind of okay that you don't. (laughs) But listen to this. For some reason, I'm thirsting for it. You know, it is Britney Spears. The the next line says, Kevin isn't into it as intensely as I am. I guess this was like a couple of years ago. All right. Um, This one's kind of fun. Um, Check this out. Technically, I'm an agnostic, but I definitely believe in hell, especially after watching the fall TV schedule. That's Matt Groening, right? Creator of The Simpsons. And this is a great quote. I love this quote. This is the most profound to me. I didn't find Jesus. He's been there the whole time. Billy Corgan. Former frontman of Smashing Pumpkins. Last one. I have this hunger in me. Everywhere I look, I see the evidence of a creator. But I don't see it as religion, which has cut Irish people in two. I don't see Jesus Christ as being in any part of a religion. Religion to me is almost like when God leaves and people devise a set of rules to fill the space. Bono. Profound. That's profound. Religion to me is like when God leaves and people devise a set of rules to fill the space. It's incredible, isn't it? The questions are modern-day poets are asking. I mean, people may have given up on organized religion, but there's a deep spiritual hunger in our culture and in every human being. And that's good news for you and me, especially those of you who have friends or family who maybe really aren't too into church because the reality is people who aren't into church are still spiritual. It's our job to actually listen to the questions that they're asking and find points of common connection. I told you about our neighbors across the street who Colleen is friends with. Uh, Colleen and her, they're like working to like redecorate our bathroom. And, uh, and she's telling Colleen the other day about a family situation, asking what she would do, yada, yada. And then out of the blue, she says, so what, so what do you really believe? I mean, I, I like Jesus. I think he was a good man, but I don't like buy that whole like we're born into sin. That's like a stretch for me yet. I feel like there's, there's more to it. What, so what do you really believe about Jesus? And, and like what difference does that make in your marriage? Nope. So uh, like what color shower curtain are you going with, right? Like, I mean, where do you start? Well, Paul starts at the starting point, at the beginning of creation, and he traces the span of the Bible to connect the dots for these thirsty people. The God who made the world, everything in it, the creator is the Lord of heaven and earth. He doesn't live in temples built by hands. It's not about church, about this building. From one man, he made every nation of men, and he determined the times. Look at this. I love this. He determined the times set for you in the exact places where you should live. In other words, you are made with a purpose, and your life has a place in God's grand story and plan. And God did this so that men would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. That's what you do if you find yourself in a pre-Christian culture like first century Athens or a post-Christian one like 21st century America. You start at the very beginning because everybody needs a starting point. You can't just jump in with, with Jesus as many folks do. And that's why we designed Starting Point to give you a broad overview of the entire story of Scripture. Every group begins with creation, moves through the Old Testament. I mean, talks about the reliability of the Bible. Why do you even buy this or believe this thing, and culminates with the arrival of Jesus in the new. Because you need to know how this all fits together if you're going to find your place in the story. We are all at different places in our spiritual journey to find God, but the good news is that God wants to be found. That's where Paul ends up. Verse 27, which is really our foundational verse for the starting point environment, sums it up. Let's read this together. God did this so that men would, let's read together, seek him and perhaps Reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. Underline those words, seek him. 
Reach out for him and find him. Find God. He may seem like a distant or confusing concept, but he's not far from every one of you. God is closer than you think. But you need a starting point. You need to take a first step in order to move your journey of faith forward with intentionality. And this, you owe it to yourself. Now here's how I want to wrap up our time together. By asking you to take stock and take a moment to figure out where you are on the journey. Um, One of our core beliefs at Liquid is that we believe everyone is on a spiritual journey. And at their own pace, in God's timing. But part of our mission is to help you take that next step, to find answers for some of your questions. Now, in your bulletin today, you should find a little map that looks like this. Can you pull this thing out? You can you find your bulletin. It's got the picture of a compass on the front, kind of apropos for a journey if you're deciding, like, what direction to go in, what's the, what's the next step. And I'm going to ask you to take your pen, you kind of click that on, fill in your name real quick on the front, put your age there, and you can do that with that pen we gave you on your seat. But this is confidential. Only our staff is going to see these, okay? Um, no, nobody's business but yours. But what I want you to do is turn this over to the back and you'll see this continuum. This is, this is a spiritual continuum. And what I want to invite every person to do, if you were to place yourself on the journey, where would you put yourself right now, right now at this moment? Take a look at it. Uh, just a quick word of explanation because some of you are going to have a problem. You'll notice that it runs the gamut in numbers. It goes from negative 10 to positive 10. This is not like a scale, like how good are you? This is not about ranking like, look at me, I'm a five. You're only a negative two. This is not like some weird religious ranking. This is your life. This is your your journey to God. It it continues on. And as I said, we're all at different points. Some just starting out, some of you miles in. But take a look at the mile markers along the journey and tell us where you are today. I'll just walk through this. If you look at the left-hand side, negative 10, it says... um, this means you, you're, you're, the, you're, like, you're actively hostile towards Christianity. Maybe that's you today. You're thinking about throwing tomatoes, rushing the stage. Um, possibly involved in practices or other religions directly opposed to Christianity. We have all sorts of people who listen online. I got an email from a girl actually in Maryland. She's like, I am actually a Wicca priestess. I am a practicing uh, Wiccan. I don't vibe at all with the whole Jesus thing. But I love your series on dating and relationships. Okay. Uh, all right. Negative 10. Now, moving up. Maybe this is you, came into the church, had some people come in. Pretty sure Christianity is either people deluding themselves at best or an evil deception at worst, okay? We've had some people who came in at that, at that moment. But maybe you're negative six. You're beginning to check out God and faith, but you're wary of what that might mean because you're like, I've seen people's lives change. They get kind of weird or like, what would my parents say? Negative four, thinks that there might be something to this Jesus stuff and is open to hearing more about them. Negative two, thinking of becoming a follower of Christ, maybe even part of a Christian community, and actually investigating the Bible, etc. And then you'll notice you've got the dividing line here, which is kind of ground zero in, in a way, kind of the launching point. And this is actually where you move from kind of an intellectual belief, or like, I, I understand this person, Jesus, I believe that he walked the earth, whatever. But you believe that actually Jesus was who he said he is. He was actually the Son of God and you personally decide to invite him into your life. This is the moment really where the adventure begins. And the rest of your life is really a process. It's a process, not about ranking. But now where are you on this, okay? Maybe you're positive too. It says beginning to learn about what it means to follow God, though there may be a Christian identity and a worldly one. You ever have that? Like, I feel like i got two sets of friends, like two lives here. As you, as you, as you go up, start, part positive four, starting to integrate faith into everyday living. You're more comfortable actually praying, talking to God, reading the Bible, you're starting to find your way around and talking with others about Him. Positive six is probably where I am on my good days. <laughs> Actively, even aggressively pursuing the peace, healing, and joy that Christ can provide. You've seen and understands the weaving of your personal story into God's story. So you, you start understanding the purpose of your life and actually why you've been made and given these gifts and you actually begin using them. In positive eight, I know a few people like this. It says the love and joy of God is so firmly implanted that it flows easily out of this person. Others are drawn to the reflection of Christ in him or her. You're involved in active ministry to others inside or outside of church. You realize life is not about you. It's about serving God and serving others. And then positive 10 says almost complete communion with God, one foot in heaven type of thing. Is Mother Teresa here tonight? Because she's the only one who should be circling that, okay, at this point. 
uh, in the room. Where are you right now? Where would you put yourself? I want you to circle that number on the back, and I want you to write it on the front here. It says where I am right now on the journey. Mark that number from the reverse side. You're going to fold it over. No one else is going to see. And fill in where it says, here's the area I most need to grow in. And maybe yours is like learning more about the Bible or having someone guide me. Or I need to keep coming to church. That's maybe my likely next step, to join a starting point group. Where are you today? Mark it down. And more importantly, what's your next step? When you're done with that, fold this over, and you're going to stick it in the offering bag as it goes around in a minute. But as I said, this will be confidential. Our staff will go through these. But we want to help you grow this fall. And for some of you, that means finding God for the first time or rediscovering him all over again. Many of you know Tucker Brown. Tucker and his wife, Kathy, serve as the directors, actually, of Starting Point here at Liquid. And I've asked him to uh, come up and just share with you the details of the groups that are launching uh, this semester. Tucker, Starting Point is for three kinds of people. You bet it. Uh, That's great. Um, You know, I was thinking about this in terms of how to describe who Starting Point's for, and I thought of it this way. You know, you might be here tonight thinking to yourself, you know, this God thing sounds interesting. I'm kind of curious. I don't really know much about it. You might kind of be like the Athenians thinking of Paul looking at Tim saying, what is this babbler talking about? I don't know, you know. <laughs> I've had that said before. So People didn't know if I was serious about it. <laughs> um, no, but you might literally be thinking to yourself, you know, this is kind of interesting. I'm really seeking God, but I just I don't quite get it. You know, or, or maybe you've actually turned a corner and you're kind of starting with God, this sort of journey, and, and you've really accepted him for who he is, but you don't really think you have a, a full picture of his story and how that works for you. Or even maybe you you're kind of find yourself returning to God after being away for a while because for some reason it wasn't uh, quite as relevant to you in your life or, or for whatever reason you feel like God's kind of drawing you back. Um, you know, if you find yourself as a seeker, starter, returner, that's really what Starting Point is, is really geared for. It's interesting. We kind of put it this way. Uh, seeker, starters, returners. Seeker, people who kind of have heard about other people reading the Bible. Maybe you've seen one. The closest you've gotten is in like the Bible in the hotel room drawer. Um, starters are the people who are like just tearing the cellophane off their Bible like you're anxious to crack it. Returners, maybe you're going, you're blowing the dust off of your Bible, okay, for some time. But really, that's the idea. And, the, and all the groups are really lecture-based. You just come in and kind of lecture to people and tell them all the answers to the to mysteries of life. Yeah, we just dump everything on you at starting point. No, not at all. It, actually, if you take a step and, and you really um, decide to join a starting point group, there's two things that you might find that really surprise you about it. Uh, first thing is that it's very conversational. Um, it is not a lecture. It's not a classroom setting. Um, this is a, a chance to really have a dialogue, to ask questions, um, to really kick the tires, so to speak, um, and, and try to really sort through some of your answers in community with other people who have the same questions. Um, but the second thing that's also might surprise you is that there's some cultural connection points in the starting point experience. So while you're studying God's story and really dialoguing about it, um, there's also the opportunity to, you know, at times listen to maybe a song or watch a short film or something that's going to tie in God's story to actually your life today and, and make it relevant for you. Now, the last group you guys led was pretty exciting. In fact, one of the, the guys in your group actually is pretty life-changing for it. Can you yeah. just tell us a story? Yeah, we, we had a great um, summertime. Uh, we actually had two, two starting point groups this summer. And the group that I was in with Christian and Jen Zollers, we just had a great time with just a great group, a lot of really neat stories, a lot of good dialogue, a lot of great questions. Um, one person's story um, I thought was really interesting. Uh, his name's Sean, and um, he came to Starting Point, I would say, uh, slightly concerned about what he was going to experience there, and with good reason. Sean was raised Catholic. Um, he, he really sort of equated a relationship with God with rules, and um, he was kind of thinking that's what this was going to be all about again. And to compound things, and in fairness to our Catholic friends, he had a really judgmental luncheon with a, an evangelical pastor. So um, he really said, boy, I don't know what I'm getting into, but I really, I really need to sort of sort this out and kind of explore God a little bit more. Um, but rather than me sort of give it all away, we actually um, brought a little video of Sean's story. We want to share that with you now. So why don't we roll that? I first heard about Starting Point through a friend of mine, and he invited me to come. And at first I didn't think it was going to be anything uh, significant, but he was bugging me about it, so I said, all right, I'll go. And it turned out to be nothing that I expected. I was expecting to be kind of judged to be in a room full of very well-dressed, you know, overzealous people that wanted to convert me and had an agenda. And that wasn't like that at all. When I came into the group, was that 
I wanted to find a way to feel closer to God and maybe have a better dialogue. As a Catholic, uh, I tend, you know, I grew up with this very, you feel kind of guilty and you can never be good enough. So when I would go to church, I always kind of felt like I was walking through the motions, like, I don't, I don't really dig any of this. And I'm not sure what this is all about. And if I'm just, you know, saying prayers, but I'm not really into it. And I never wanted to be that person, so I didn't really go to church. Um, and with the starting point, the questions were, were more about you personally. Not like, not like you go to church, but what do you think about God? What do you think about, you know, being saved and what is Jesus Christ about? And how does he relate to you? And those are questions I was never posed before. And thinking about it in a different way was interesting. The aha moment came when uh, one of the chapters was about law. And it discussed specifically the Ten Commandments. And that was really when the light bulb went off in my head. I'm told the Ten Commandments is more of a way for God to relate to His people and not so much, you know, do this or you're going to hell. This is the chart that they gave you in starting point. Uh, I actually tried my best to avoid this chart in the very beginning because I was kind of looking at this scale and, okay, where am I pegged in here? Uh, but the, the good thing was that it's not about, you know, I'm a three and I'm going to be a three. It's more that you're on a journey. And that made a lot of sense. When I first walked in the door starting point, I was around a negative two, negative four. Thinks that there might be some things to this Jesus stuff and is open to hearing more about it. It sounds pretty cool. I think my next step on the journey is um, the community aspect, getting to know people in the church, doing things with the church. People should do starting point if they're waking up in the morning and saying, I think there's a God, I'm not really sure. I should give this a little bit more thought. Maybe I should talk to somebody about it. You should go. That's what it's about. That's powerful stuff. Can we thank Sean for sharing his story with us? That was awesome. Yeah, it, it's great. And, and you know, as a, as a leader in Starting Point, um, one of the things that I just I find so interesting, even by Sean's own admission, you know, on the, on the graph here, he went from a negative two, negative four-ish through zero to a positive two. He literally moved into a, a personal relationship with Christ um, through Starting Point. And, and I look at that and I say, that's great. And I go back to that verse in, in Acts 17 and I say, here's somebody who actually sought God out and actually reached for him. And look what happened. God showed up. He found God in not just an intellectual relationship, but in a personal one as well. You know, it's not an all or nothing deal. Um, if, if you look actually at the end of Acts 17, what their response is to Paul, um, he gets a mixed response. It, it says, when the Athenians heard about the resurrection of Jesus, look what happened. Some of them sneered, uh, but others said, we want to hear you again on this subject. And a few men and women became followers and believed. So Paul received a mixed reaction. Some decided actually the faith was not for them. They weren't ready yet. While others kept searching for more answers, they said, we want, we want to hear more on this subject. While a few took a step forward and actually believed, put their trust fully in Jesus Christ, which again reflects that people are all over at different points in this journey, which is why we created Starting Point. So you could take a next step under no pressure, there's no hard sell, and decide just for yourself what you believe. You know, it's funny that, um, I, I like the way you kind of say it, Tucker, is kind of kick the tires of the faith. Yeah, I mean, the, the analogy is simply, you know, we don't buy cars or buy homes without you know, going for a test drive, kicking the tires, doing a home inspection. And, you know, faith shouldn't be any different. I mean, and that's where starting point is that opportunity to really explore God's story and see how it relates to your own. So one of our groups just filled up at the last service. That one's going to be closed, but we've got another one open. We might be starting more with the details. Yeah, we've got one group that's still open. There's a couple spots left. Um, and uh, possibly creating a waiting list for either if people are, you know, canceling or we may even be looking at starting a third group because we've had a lot of interest. Um, these groups are meeting on Wednesday nights. Um, they typically run for 10 weeks. They're starting October 3rd, which is a Wednesday night. Um, and if you're interested in more information, have questions, want some logistical info, um, stick around after the service because about five minutes after the service ends, uh, up front here, we're going to do just a brief, probably five to ten minute orientation and give you a chance to ask questions and also sign up if you want. So stick around after. So if you're anywhere today, you're going to fold this over and hand this in. But if you're anywhere between like a negative four, negative two, all the way up to like positive two or four, starting point may be a great step forward this fall because everybody needs a place to start. Look at your chart. Where are you on this continuum, on this journey? 
you want to be in the same place <laughs> come January? I hope not. If you haven't punched your ticket yet, this is your chance to finally begin or maybe jumpstart if you've stalled out along the way. Or maybe you've been a believer for a while and you're sensing, you know what, it is time to actually connect the dots here and understand how the story of my life intersects with the story God's telling in his Bible. Wherever you're at, this is a perfect place to explore and a perfect time to begin. Would you guys thank Tucker for coming up and just uh, sharing with us? Thank you, Tucker. In fact, would you pray for us? Tucker, would you close in prayer? That'd be great. Would you guys stand for prayer? Lord God, I just, uh, just thank you so much for this time together. Lord, it's just a privilege to be able to come together as a community, to worship you, to learn about you, uh, to sing praises to you. Um, I just thank you for this time. And uh, Lord, I just thank you for your character. I thank you that you're a God who uh, welcomes our questions and doesn't run from them, doesn't get angry with us when we have them. But, but you just earnestly desire us to seek you out. And um, that's just exciting, Lord. And I, just, I thank you that, that that's um, your mindset. And um, I thank you that you do reach out to us and, and come to us when we seek you. Um, Lord, I also just pray for those tonight who maybe are thirsty, who are really um, trying to, to find out more about you and your story, Lord. I just pray that you continue to work in their heart and meet them in the place that they're at um, so that they can find you better. Uh, thank you again for this time. In your name, amen.